I think we lost the coach for a second. He got that good internet. He dropped off again. You're back, coach. It's a good thing I have my production supervisor here with me. Otherwise, we'd be in trouble. Yeah, I I thought she had (laughs) attached the stem to the internet connection there. What happened? Where'd he go? That was weird. I'm not sure what happened there. There we go. That's better. We're going to have to start playing a game of whack with the internet. (laughs) What's going on with that? Slap it on the side like old Pop up. All right, we're going to get this eventually. We lost, we lost again, them again. Did Fighting you, through adversity. Did you lose power? Are you are you getting affected by the hurricane, Coach? Look, this is my wife. This is this is the one that got us through hey, all. She's going to get credit on the show notes, too, Coach. You're the real MVP. Yeah. We appreciate you. If at any point you ever just feel like mentioning that you did an interview with us, we would be okay with that. You know what I mean? The, the yeah, next time you're on the East Fin, we'd be okay with that. All right, everybody, welcome into another episode of the Joe Schmo Sports Show. Uh, with you, as always, I'm your host, Clint Webb, with my co-host, Mr. Dominic Battistella. How's it going, Clint? And our producer, the man over here behind the curtain, Mr. Dre Cameron. And today we have a very special guest, a very timely guest that's joining us, and Coach Richard Watkins, the head golf coach for men and women's varsity at North Carolina A&T University. How you doing today, Coach? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Oh, we already talked today, so you know how I'm doing. <laughs> you were on the golf course today, so you're doing better than most. That's right. That's right. I was doing better than you this morning because you pulled your back out. Everything okay? I'm sitting here. I've got stem on my back as we speak. Mm, man, I'm telling if you. you. See, if you see me wincing, that means my <laughs> wife just turned up the power a little bit. <laughs> hey, she should, right? Just it's, to keep you on your toes. It, it, so <laughs> she gets to hold on to the remote control just in case you get a little lippy. Like wearing one of those collars, right? <laughs> Mrs. Watkins, you did not hear that from us. <laughs> All right. So, uh, so, Coach, tell us a little bit about yourself, man, about your beginnings in coaching, about how you got into golf. And I am particularly interested in hearing about your time in Tyler, Texas, coaching baseball, because baseball is my first love. And uh, I see that you had had quite a few championships and some success down there. So I'd like to hear about that at some point. But tell us a little bit All about right. Coach Watkins and uh, how you got involved with uh, golf and the uh, University of North Carolina A&T. Golf is a long story. I started out at a very young age, probably 11, 12 years old, Man. something in that area, probably 12, yeah, 12, 13. Started out caddying. Mm. And that's something that we don't see very much with, with the youth today because those opportunities just don't uh, present themselves. Mm-hmm. I started caddying at, at that time, it was known as Carlson Farms Country Club. It's now uh, Greensboro Country Club Farm Course. And it's still a tremendous golf course. But I started out caddying there because it was some quick, easy money. And I actually learned because the head, pro, the assistant pro there kind of liked me. So he, after I'd finished caddying, he'd stick me in the bag room. And I took care of members' clubs. And he actually showed me how to, I could re-grip a golf club before I could actually put my hands <laughs> on one and grip it. I knew a lot about the game just from caddying. And it just was a natural progression from there. One of my uh, good friends was on the golf team in high school and said, you ought to start playing golf. Well, at the time, I didn't care anything about golf. If, if, it, was, if it was not baseball, I didn't really care. Mm. And then I started playing golf. I hit a few shots because you, know, you had golf clubs, had balls, had access to stuff at the club. And you'd sneak around behind the back of the caddy shack and hit some chip shots and that sort of thing. <laughs> I had a 
fairly decent short game, even though I couldn't play just from being around the course. Right. And the first day I went on the course and played, that was it. I was I was hooked. There's a million of those stories. Usually uh, is, Coach. I was hooked yep. because you play all the sports. You play baseball. I was a catcher, and I like talking to batters. Mm. And you talk to them, you might say anything to yep. them. Oh, yeah, uh, for sure. And, We've all uh, seen the Sandlot, know, Coach. We know what goes on back there. And, uh, but you still play. You still hit it. You still do the things that are necessary to be done. But then you're standing over the golf ball and nobody is bothering you. Mm. No one is uttering a sound. Mm. It just seems like the birds don't even chirp when you get ready to hit a shot. (laughs) And I couldn't do it. If I've got a two-and-one count on me and the coach says, uh, the hit and run is on, you got to hit it down out the right side, hit behind the runner. Yeah, no problem. We get that done. But then you have to stand over a golf shot with no interference, Nobody whispering in your ear, and it goes. Hey, coach, you're gonna like this. Hey, Dom, what do I always tell you about golf? Golf is hard. Hard. <laughs> golf is hard. Just I thinking... have a lot of friends that coach, and we always have this same argument, same discussion year after year after year. What's the hardest sport? And I'm always it's golf and baseball. Yeah, to me, golf is the hardest sport. Hitting a baseball is the hardest thing to do in sports. And baseball has that contradictory term because you have a round ball, a round bat, bat right. and the coach is trying to get you to hit it square. Right. <laughs> That's... Defies the laws of physics. And, and well, that... you know, Coach, I always tell people when the best to ever do it in the Hall of Fame is less than 38%, and he is literally the best to ever do it, it's the hardest thing to, to me. Yeah. Then when I get ready to jump ship and talk about golf being the hardest thing, I always let the baseball coaches know. And I just jump on whichever side of the argument I feel like arguing that day. I just always let the baseball coaches know that we don't get our foul balls back. Right. Right. And you're standing over a ball that with a club that is designed to hit the ball and the ball isn't moving and it still doesn't do what it's supposed to do 99% of the time. That just means to me the game is stupid. <laughs> game is not stupid. There's this whole thing on Twitter right now. It's like a golf-based meme. It's, it's uh, This guy is getting ready to step up and swing the club and the uh, guy who's doing the video behind him, he's like, hey, we're here playing a game of whack, whack fuck. fuck. Right. Yeah. Dude, yeah, that's one of my favorite videos. Because yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it Cause captures it's true. the essence. <laughs> For sure, it captures the essence essence of golf the hardest thing to do in sports to me it's not hitting a baseball it's not hitting a golf ball it's is getting up after getting flattened by a 230 pound linebacker and i understand that concept (laughs) i heard that's generally a statement that is said by those that can't play it and and that is true because i am terrible at golf so here's the thing he's the only person that has ever been on the golf course at the same time as me that still doesn't play and has no desire to play. I've got a few of those friends. It's, I, I mean, well, it's hard. It is it's, hard. It's, it's, like when I'm having these discussions, I always tell other coaches, I'm like, listen, the, the thing that you coach, the place that you play, it has not changed since probably middle school. The basketball court is the same length, yep. rim the same height. Yep. Your baseball field, baseball diamonds, 90 feet from base to base, Six. and it, it doesn't change. Nope. Golf, the golf course changes. You can play the same every course, shot. and the golf course changes every day. Yep. And on top of that, can- 14 clubs in your bag that you have to select from to attempt to hit the right shot. Gosh, it's mm-hmm. the worst. <laughs> and it's 
It's a hard deal. It really is, so, man. It's so, so it's so frustrating yet endlessly rewarding. Coach, my understanding is that you and the A and T program have been in the news recently for something that's been actually rather unusual in collegiate sports. And I know so. Can you oh, yeah. speak to what's going on? Yeah, please. It's um, very simple. We have uh, a young man by the name of J.R. Smith mm. that has uh, walked on to our men's golf team. And he's a pretty good player, and he's going he's gonna to help the program just in terms of his golf abilities. Now, okay. uh, for those of your listeners that notice how much I downplayed that, yeah, no, J.R. is 16, 17-year NBA veteran couple Champion. of NBA championship mm-hmm. rings, was a quite, quite successful NBA player. And he has decided that he wanted to come back to school. And a lot of people were unaware of the fact that that was his first mission. His first intention was to come back to school. Mm-hmm. He, he had applied to school. He had been accepted at North Carolina A&T. And then it was, oh, by the way, while I'm there, I can probably – let me see if I can walk on the golf team. So that was an afterthought. The golf was not the was not the driving force. Uh, yeah, because of Chris Paul, because of Ray Allen, uh, going back to school and in Jr.'s case, going to school was the was the driving force behind uh, behind his decision. This was what he wanted to do to, to fill a goal, to fill a lifelong dream. That- so, do you know how he came to A and T then? He did his homework. Yeah. Um, he did his homework, and it didn't take much to figure out that North Carolina A&T State University is the flagship HBCU in the country. Anybody, any of the other friends of mine that want to debate, that's not my opinion, uh, <laughs> is noted in national publications all across the country. You can't debate the stats. You can't debate the facts. Yeah. You can debate me, but you can't debate Yeah, stats don't lie. Stats don't lie. I remember he had committed to UNC. And then had an insanely successful McDonald's All-American high school game where he hit like 12 threes, most of them from half court, and he decided to go pro, and it broke everybody's heart around here. At least us of Tar Heel Nation broke our hearts. But I am super happy that he decided to go back to school because that's always good to see, especially from a successful professional athlete. So I have a question for you, Coach. Something right. something my friend Jared and I were talking about today on the golf course. I said Coach Watkins said he was going to, when he walked on, he was going to play number four spot and, you know, that we would see how it went. And Jared was like, do you think that these young kids that he's playing against, whenever he walks up the tee, he has that in- immediate intimidation factor because of who he is and what he's been through? You have this world-class ca- athlete, this NBA champion, this just highly successful publicized athlete walking up and standing right next to you and playing golf do you have that intimidation factor do you think he'll that'll be a key no no good because golf is hard right not not even close the guys and the good thing about it is uh when i said possibly four i was just projecting Mm -hmm. uh where he is right now versus where the other six guys are right now he's been playing with them he's on the team he's a member of the team he's not intimidated and they're not intimidated by him right now when they go out and play they call him he calls them coach what time are we here what what's our tea time those kinds of things there's any intimidation factor all right, yeah. Coach Dom has a really cool question for you, and I'm interested in the right. answer. Coach, you talked about how there's no intimidation with the rest of the players on the team because you're a team, right? So that, to me, begs the question, how is 
collegiate golf different from the professional golf we see on the TV? Because on TV, you've got a foursome and they're playing and it changes every single round based upon score and things like that. Are the players in, in, in collegiate golf, is it just the teams are playing together and then at the end of the tournament, you're just comparing the combined scorecards or, or how does it work? Believe it or not, the way you described it is exactly how it worked during COVID. Yeah, that's not how it generally works. Uh, the way it generally works is you've have you have your players one through five, and then they are paired with, as a general rule, depending on the number of teams in the event, they're compared with or paired with another university's one through five, uh, and then another university's one through five. Okay, ones versus all the ones, all the and ones, so on. You'll yeah. have North Carolina A and T's number one paired with Appalachian State's mm-hmm. number one paired with Campbell's number one. Mm-hmm. And then they're out. And then you have five players on the golf course. The low four scores count. Okay. And then you'll go back out for round number two. Once again, Sure. four, four scores out of five. And it may not be the same four players. Mm-hmm. Right. It's just the low four scores of five each round. Okay. So and then three, three 18 whole rounds of golf will uh, constitute so then, Coach, I go back to the question. Jr. your four, right? Your four slot. As so then problem. I look at him and go, how does he have the other universities and colleges that you're playing against, the other teams you're playing against, their, their fours are standing next to him, and he's six foot six. <laughs> Former NBA champion with a big old ring on his finger <laughs> and off against these, he has a ring these on guys who are kids. There, two rings, right? These kids, right? Because most of them don't have 16, 17 year careers before they decide to go to college and, and be on the golf team. That's got to be a that's got to shake them a little bit, right? It's a different I, kind of I, experience. I, I, if at the very least, you know, it eliminates team, one of the four scores. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want them to be intimidated. I, th- <laughs> nice. I think we need to have some walk-up music, Coach. I yeah. think, <laughs> that's what I think we need. Oh, like the UFC, right? Yeah. When, you, when you asked the question before, you were talking about my player. Right. We, we play every day. We see him every day. No, sure. we're not intimidated. Like, but when you flip the script and yeah. talk about somebody else's players, you now <laughs> coming to the team. Yeah, exactly. Two-time <laughs> NBA champion. Right six from Burlington. <laughs> North Carolina. <laughs> My question is, who are you signing next to the team? Are you right. going to get the Rock or something? That would be awesome. <laughs> here's the funny. Here's the funny thing. Uh, I was on my before before you guys uh, before we connected. I was uh, I was on the line with my compliance officer, and this is a extraordinarily unique set of circumstances. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, first of all, you have to have been a professional athlete with zero college time zero yeah bro he accomplished that even the guys that are one and done yeah he never went no so his he never started his clock he never matriculated Mm. so there's an extremely small number that will fit into the category that he's in we've talked to chris winky came up. oh yeah for sure the name josh booty came up but they had mediocre professional baseball careers at and then when they moved to Josh Moody to LSU, mm-hmm. Chris Winkie, Florida State, they had really good college careers. Yeah, very good. But not much of any professional careers. So this is the first time you've really had a world-class professional athlete that's then turned around and come back to school or gone to school for the first time even at this point. Right. Okay. 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. He's a really good follow on Twitter, Coach. So I assume you don't have to keep that under control. He seems like he's okay on Twitter. He's uh, talking about his meal plan being his Amex, which is awesome. So what are, what are <laughs> Coach, what are the NCAA regulations for somebody who has previously been a professional athlete mm. and, and has gone through all that and now is, is trying to – reestablish an amateur status I, I would imagine it has to be a completely different sport first right that, number one it has okay. to be a completely different sport yeah mm-hmm. and that individual must be an amateur in that sport okay oh, yeah. now i would hope jr smith couldn't come to ant and play basketball that would, that would be, be a little bit of a disadvantage yeah. As a matter of fact I, I took him down i introduced him to the football coach uh, sam washington great guy a great friend of mine so i took him down to meet sam and the first thing they said, we need a six-six wide receiver in the red zone. <laughs> that is a fair point. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be helpful, and right? Real, realistically, that's a possibility because he could be uh, he's been cleared by the NCAA. Wow! In terms of amateurism, he has not derived any income, or he has not represented himself as a professional golfer. Mm-hmm. So none of his income has been derived from playing golf sure and those are some of the things that are uh determining factors in the ncaa determining whether you are an amateur or not now there are certain there are just certain things that if the ncaa was written in conjunction with the usga rule identifying him as an amateur would have been significantly easier right right but uh that that was really not an issue the NCAA had to go through a lot of other things before his amateur status, and I'm not I'm not privy to all the information yeah. that or all the questions that they had to ask internally. But I know that there were some issues involving his his high school graduation. He went to I think four or I think five different high schools during his prep career. Right. One of those high schools no longer exists. Okay. So now you have to determine eligibility. Meeting, right? Reading core curriculum. Yeah, like transcripts uh, and stuff. All of those transcripts. Mm-hmm. And it's not quite as simple, or the NCAA that. doesn't look at it quite as simply as you and I would look at it. Right. You know, if, if you're asking me to look at somebody's transcript, if I went to three different high schools, when I graduate, the high school that I graduated from has all the classes because they had to get them from the other institutions. Right, right, sure. Now, stick way of looking at it. Right, of course. But that's not the way it's looked at. We all and know by about the NCAA. By the same token, I've been in higher ed for I've been in higher ed now for forty five years, and a long period of time I served as the athletic academic advisor in the Department of Kinesiology at A and T. T when the golf team started. Sure. See now next year will be my thirtieth year at North Carolina. A&T. And when you get these transcripts, you have to, and I've had to interpret transcripts from one university to another university, to A&T, when they're transferring into A&T. Well, because you so, might not have the same classes or... Exactly. Right, okay. Even, okay. Though, even though the class might have the same name, right. Edison, right. course description doesn't mean the course descriptions don't mesh. Mm-hmm. So it may not, even though the course title is the same, the course content might not be the same. Right, okay. So, so there's a lot of investigation. So I know the NCAA, they did their due diligence. I know they looked at everything very thoroughly. 
I know there were a lot of discussions. Uh, I'm obviously not privy to those discussions. Right. And my, my compliance director said when he got the call from them and they said, yeah, he said he stopped listening. I bet this has would, to be a huge deal for the university just in general. You guys are making so many big moves just in different things. Look at how many track athletes A&T sent to the Olympics. And Mr. Uh, Coach Dwayne Ross was on Miss D's podcast a few months back, mm-hmm. Dre? Yeah. Like a yeah. month back, a few yeah. months back? And I know that he was in Tokyo, and I know all the things that he's done. I know all the players that are being sent to the NFL from A&T, and now the golf program. You've done some big things since you've been there, since it started, what, six years ago? Uh, the, the, men's pro, the women's program is in its sixth year, mm-hmm. and the men's program uh, is in its fifth year. We just graduated some of our first recruits this year. That's crazy. You've had some great success, too, from what I've seen. So, Coach, can um, Okay, mm-hmm. my athletic director is not mad at me. Golf is hard, coach. You know, and and A and T as a whole. Yeah, it's, yep. it's ridiculous. And I've been there for a long time, and it's ridiculous to see some of the things that we have going on right now uh, that are related mm-hmm. to sports. I was just looking at uh, something um, that just came out of the NFL. Uh, one of our former athletes, uh, Daryl Johnson, mm-hmm. was just traded from the Buffalo Bills. Yep. Back home. He's yep. now playing with the Carolina Panthers. Yep. Dominic is a Bills fan. He was one of my advisees. I, yeah. I've known him since he walked on campus as a freshman. Nice. There's a lot of things that are being highlighted right now deserving. And I mm-hmm. just, it was when JR and this story hit, for me, it was like, okay, I'm just getting in line behind everybody else to just keep this thing rolling. Yeah, and we yeah. didn't want to get in line behind anybody. We wanted to have you on the show before you started getting all these interview requests and stuff from the oh, ESPN and stuff, because I know they're coming, too, Coach. <laughs> too late for that. I can't tell you the number of interviews oh, I- already. It's been a whirlwind. Let's try and have a different type of conversation then, because I know you've probably talked about this quite a bit. And can you Let's step back a little bit, and can you talk to us a little bit about what it's like to start a program like golf at a university, any university, I'm sure it's hard, well, I guess but, any, to well, start any program, one. but a golf program at the amount of investment that it takes to start something up like this and the time and recruiting and everything, everything else that goes into it. What, what was that like? Cause you've done it twice now. You did it for the women's program and now the men's program. First of all, the dynamics are different when you start looking at a golf program at a historically black college and university. That too, yes. Yep. yep. So there are some other things that go along with that. I remember we, my athletic director and the board, I thought they made a very wise decision when they started the golf program because they hired me, not necessarily that they hired me, they hired a golf coach a year before they wanted to start the golf program. And I was impressed by just that simple move because that gave that gave me an opportunity to actually go to work. We've seen some other programs that might not have done that, and we've seen the results, and the mm-hmm. results were not the same as the results that we had. One of the things I, early, I had an opportunity to speak uh, before an alumni group, and one of, uh, one of our alumni asked, uh, Coach, what would you rather do? Would you rather take over a bad program or start a new program and caught them off guard, I said, it, it doesn't make any difference. Nobody good wants to come play for it. That's a great answer, though. And, but that's the truth. Yeah, if your no program doubt. is terrible and you take it over and you're trying to rebuild it, anybody trying to rebuild a program, 
I don't care what level it's on. They always give you a timetable. Yeah. Two by year three, we ought to be exactly where we want to be by year five. Uh, There's always a timetable. You got to give and two it, recruiting classes, three recruiting classes. Or exactly. Yeah. And so if you're starting, if you're starting a program, the narrative might be a little bit different, but the results are still the same. Nobody good wants to come play for you. Mm -hmm. But we were very fortunate right out of the gate. We were able to we were able to have a young lady named Jill Harbison. She was from Mesa Community College in Phoenix, Arizona. She had no idea what an HBCU was, but she was one of the top uh, she was ranked in the top fifteen junior college players in the country. Okay. And we made contact with her. We got her on campus for a, an official visit. And she fell in love with the campus. And to be able to go out and get a top 15 junior college player to commit to your program mm -hmm. right off the bat, that was big. Yeah, She came in, then I had another JUCO player that was a top 20 JUCO player. And then I was able to get a, a young lady from the area, uh, from Southern Alamance, right outside of Burlington. And then the following year, we were able to bring in another uh high-ranking JUCO player. And we were able to gain a little visibility, uh, a little success. We were in the, the junior colleges. They knew who we were. A lot of the JUCO coaches would call me and let me know that they had these players. And we were able to get, we were able to jumpstart what we were doing through the junior college ranks. And now I have not had a junior college player in the last, the last three years, but we have also had some some four-year transfers. We got a young lady from Charleston Southern. Mm. That's a good player, Charleston, Charleston Southern. She's from Spain. She came for an official visit. She uh, knew she was going to transfer. She had already entered the transfer portal. And when she came to campus, she loved it. Mm. And she played some of the best golf of her career for North Carolina A&T. And uh, the guys' program was very similar. We went about it... Uh, Pretty similarly, UCO transfer and then a couple of local guys. And now we've got, we've got a really solid men's program now. And we've got a very attractive, uh, freshman that's drawing a lot of attention. We've got a couple of transfers that are really good players. And then we have three guys returning that are good players. Mm, yeah. So it's been, it's been a unique set of circumstances. And one of the things that we had to do is you got to do your math. Mm. How does that work? You have to make it work. You have to do a couple like, half scholarships. You know, the only thing, the only thing worse is if you're coaching baseball. And baseball has the second, I think, the second largest roster size. Yeah, yeah, and they don't get a lot of they don't get a lot of funding. Yeah, I think they have 11, 11.5 scholarships. Yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, yeah. I, that, that's a that's an annual problem. Yeah. Yeah, you got kids, you got kids playing baseball all across the country. Mm -hmm. Kids winning. Uh, the NCAA championship there at the College World they Series. They, they may not have yeah. any money. They may have. Yeah. They may have twenty five percent. There's no telling. They, uh, it's an annual problem, and it's uh, it's something that that baseball coaches across the country, golf coaches across the country. I can make some attractive offers to to some ladies that I can't make to the same guys. Mm, uh, I have tough. several. I have several ladies that are on full scholarship, and I yeah. have zero 
zero guys mm. on full scholarship. Wow. I have they're, a, I have a couple of questions. So I want to go back to something that you said they that A&T hired a golf coach before they started the golf program. So did they hire a golf coach for current students? Did they hire a golf coach for people that were thinking about maybe playing golf in college but didn't know that A&T had a, had a, had a, would have a program? So what? why did they have a golf coach and who was it for? Since the golf coach was me, I'll just give you my perspective. I thought they hired, I thought they hired me to be able to discern the difference between the two. Okay. Because Fair. it's one of those situations where at that time, you know, we didn't have anybody on our campus that was capable of playing Division One golf. So this so was part of the physical education program? Right, okay. Yeah, so yeah. Y- you were already on campus. You were already part of the faculty before oh, yeah. you became yeah. the Right, 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 right. So there was not going to be any – we were not going to start a golf program from the kids that were already enrolled in school there. Sure. You know, right. that wasn't going to happen. Right, okay. So you, know, you needed to get out. You needed to be out a year early. Uh, there was just so many different things you had to set up. You had to get equipment ordered. You had to get clothes ordered, shoes, investigate all the ball programs that mm-hmm. were that were out there. We had to be able to secure a place to play. And we were very fortunate in, uh, and I don't know how much about uh, Greensboro area golf, but we have Bryan Park and the 36 holes at Bryan Park. And that's a tremendous facility. The site of the 2010 Publix Championship mm-hmm. USGA event, many college tournaments, and Forest Oaks Country Club. Uh, Country Club was the 30-year host mm-hmm. of the PGA Tour stop in Greensboro before it moved to Sedgefield. Right. So our our venues are attractive. Yeah. But we had to put we had to put those on board. We had to have a lot of things in place before you ever started putting people. In place, I think my position since, and I had it quite a history already with golf in the area. I already had the the connections and the relationships that were needed to make this thing move smoothly. So I think that was one of the reasons why I think that was one of the reasons why I was fortunate enough to get the. There's some attractive courses around there. I've played Sedgefield. I've played Grandover. I haven't played Brian Park or Forest Oaks, but I've heard nothing but good things about them. And we were talking the other day about Cardinal. You have a lot of good golf courses around there, and you're what an hour away from from Quail Hollow and all the great courses oh, in yeah. Charlotte. You're an hour away from Finley and Washington Duke, and an hour and a half away from any course in Raleigh. You have a lot of good courses in the area. Yeah, I've I've said this to people for years about golf in this state and especially in the Piedmont area of central North Carolina. Leave Greensboro and drive for an hour Mm -hmm. in any direction and play a different golf course every day for two months. Absolutely. I'd be about that. Challenge accepted, Coach. I think we should get on this. (laughs) I have not. I think we definitely should. You do that to Clinton. He's going to be sitting right next to you with the stem on his back. That's right. I'm too old for that mess. Hey, we can put that on the two. So, Coach, talking about starting the program, how has the program progressed Mm. over the years from the year before when you were hired as the golf coach all the way through now? And we know with the men's program right now, there's there, there's a lot of fanfare with Jared Smith being there. But even if he wasn't, there's obviously some great progress going on. So can you talk to that? Jr. really just joins in the line of quality men's players that we are now attracting and recruiting. We've always recruited the best. And then because I've always just felt you start at the top. And mm-hmm. I'm, I've been one of those guys. I'm not ever going to tell myself no. Somebody else is going to have to do that. I've listened. Oh, you can't get him because I didn't get him because I didn't ask. 
that's that's never going to be my uh, my reason. Coach you Watkins know? says, "Hold my beer." You you watch to, what happens. You're going to have to turn me down. That's, that's all. Hey, what can they do? They, all they can do is say no, Coach. That's it. That's that's it doesn't matter to me, right? No. And and the thing I've always looked at one no. Gives you amnesia about all those no's. True. Yeah, you're talking, well, to, you you're talking get, to two sales guys. Yeah, here, you so. got to get to at least <laughs> 10 no's right. before you get to one yes, right. for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And that one yes, Worth all put a smile it. on your face and you're ready to go back to work. Well, in, in your and, case, this one yes, this one big yes is bringing a lot more than just golf to your program. It's bringing well, publicity. Well, he was he here. Or, yes, I told him yes. There you yeah, go. That's there right. You go. That's right. You told him yes. I yeah. so, but it, yes, nonetheless. So, but so, uh, it, back to your question, yeah. um, we started out with the women's program. We always had one or two quality players, which made us very respectable right right out of the gate. But one or two quality players won't do it. So right. we were not able to yeah. that we would want because those one or two players would put up scores in the 70s. And then you're looking at three other players and just hoping that they put up a couple of good scores. Decent numbers for you. Like decent well, meaning now, what? Like 80s? Like high, mid-70s? What are you looking at here? No, at that, those first couple of years, my number one and two player, they were shooting. Uh, they were averaging in the 70s. Uh, but then my three, four, and five, you know, I was just, if they put up something uh, 85 or less, I was happy. Uh, I got eligibility left, Coach. <laughs> and and Clint's willing to wear a skirt. So. I am willing to wear whatever. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, unfortunately for Clint, those days were the first couple of years. <laughs> this year, I have four state champions wow. represented on our women's team. Okay. Uh, my number one player, a young lady named Kristen Carr. Kristen is the she was the two-time Georgia six A state champion. Wow. wow! In the Georgia women's amateur, she finished second, which is the highest finish by any African American female in the history of the event. And golf is pretty big in Georgia from what I understand. Oh, she played with <laughs> JR and Ricky Fowler in the Wyndham Pro-Am. Uh, they shot as a team, they shot 11 under and Kristen only made seven birdies. Oh, that's so, it? Yeah. So, so she was the majority of the 11 under. Let's just... <laughs> yeah, she can play a little bit. Well, what's, J what's JR shooting these days? I'd be remiss if I... JR is, right now he's in the he's in the mid to upper 70s. Uh, he's advertised as being a five handicapper. It's real simple. I had a buddy one time, and uh, no truer statement has been made about golfers. He said, if you want to find out what kind of golfer someone really is, Put tournament in front of the round. <laughs> we talked about this earlier. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's it's yeah. absolute facts because then you get your heart racing a little bit more. You get your mind spinning a little bit more. Oh, there's something on the line here, yeah. right? And, yeah, yeah. So I the tournament that I played in, they actually called my name before I hit my first tee ball. That's fun. Yeah, it was, it was back in the '70s. It was, was it was the Capital City Open in DC. Okay, and their first tee was down below, right. Out of the clubhouse, and they were like, and next on the tee, Richard Watkins from Greensboro, North That's Carolina. Awesome. It was awesome if it wasn't you. Yeah, right. Yeah. Have you seen those heart rate monitors they put on the players now? Oh, and wow. the only thing, seen? listen, the only thing I remember was teeing the ball up and then walking down the fairway. Mm. I don't, I can't tell you the swing. I just, I was trying to hit that thing as quick as I could hit it and get moving. Did you? Was it playable? Was it findable and playable? It was right down the middle then, of the fairway. Then that's all, the number one rule of golf is findable and playable. I have no idea. I didn't see it. 
<laughs> and started walking. That's what he's like me. I never see my ball. for the ball, coach. Everybody <laughs> yeah. else looks for the ball. That's what I tell. That's what I tell everybody that doesn't really know how to play. Keep your head down. We'll find the ball. Yeah. Don't worry about you. So now the rest, the rest of the round didn't go. Where did uh, you play? What course? The I, the Dwight D. Eisenhower course in uh, in DC. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. It was not. Uh, trust me. It was not a. It was not a pretty sight. Yeah, I can understand that. So, not, it was not nice. So what? What? What is it like to recruit? That's what for I was collegiate ask. golf. Yeah. We've heard basketball coaches, football coaches talk about you know, how it is to recruit there, and there's a lot more. Oh, there's roof. Yeah, there's tons, and right. there's the, the AAU programs and everything else for them. What? How do you find? talented collegiate golf players and how does yourself who's coaching a young program and an hbcu compete against other maybe more established programs what is that everything that the other coaches that you it's exactly the same yeah Uh, recruiting recruiting is hard recruiting is hard work uh there's a lot of time and effort and energy that goes into identifying those individuals that you want because there's a lot of kids that are out there that you want. Yeah. But then again, they may not want you. Sure, sure. And that goes for every sport. Obviously, I tell people all the time, my favorite players are the ones that want me as much as I want them. Mm-hmm. And we got a young lady, a freshman, and another state champion. She was the Pennsylvania 2A state champion uh, this year. And it's really funny. With her sophomore year, she finished in the tie for the state title and lost in the playoff. Okay. Her junior year, she was three shots behind, played the last five holes three under to finish in a tie and lose again. Mm-hmm. This year when I was recruiting her and she really wanted to come in, she said, Coach, what do I do this year if I lose again in a playoff? I'm like, you don't do anything. You come on to A&T because they don't have to play <laughs> off the temp. And so uh, this young lady, uh, she came to A&T. She committed early. And those are my favorites, those that, uh, that, mm-hmm. want, that want us as much as we want them. This young lady is a, is a, a quality player, quality person, and she wanted to be at A&T. But recruiting is difficult. I don't care who you are. It's difficult. Now, I will, I will share with you one recruiting story with JR. He and I were playing. We are playing a place in High Point called Oak Hollow. Mm-hmm. And we were talking, and I asked him, did he know Tubby Smith? Went to school with Tubby when, when Tubby was at High Point. And he said, yeah, I, I know that name, I, but I, we've crossed paths somewhere. Well, I called Tubby because he's a member at Sedgefield, and yeah, I went oh, to see him at JR at Sedgefield before the Wyndham Pro-Am. It turns out that when JR committed to go to Carolina, Tubby was at Kentucky had recruited Jr. Of course he did. At Kentucky. <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because why wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. The, I don't know them, who that guy is. <laughs> now the two of them are on the phone talking and reminiscing and trying to set up golf. And they're on my phone for us. And I'm like, uh, guys, look, let's stick with the – let's stick with – Play I'm, some I'm, golf, fellas. Yeah. We, were, we were turning. I was two under. Look, I was in a hurry <laughs> to get to number 10. I bet. <laughs> at two under, I'd be in a hurry. Well, By the I'm time like, I'm turning, hey, I'm ready to get to the golf course. <laughs> hey, man, I got a hook of a Sedgefield, man, if you ever need that for some reason. I know this is going to come as a surprise to you, <laughs> not but we have received some. Um, you're not the first person to invite me I'm sure. uh, to Sedgefield in the last two weeks. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm 100% sure. I was actually, I played Sedgefield a week before the Wyndham and then was at the Wyndham. It was good times. It's a oh. really nice track. 
question. I, I love that. So look, I want to I want to go back to starting the program real quick, and I, I just have a question. Did you get any advice from our friend Miss D Todd about starting a program? Because if you haven't heard already, she's a big deal with starting programs different places. So, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. but but no, I really didn't. Uh, it was one of those situations where people really left me alone. The alumni left me alone because there were I had several guys uh, that. And they put in a good word for me with the athletic director, with the chancellor. Uh, I had people in golf in and around Greensboro High Point that did the same thing. So they, my athletic administration staff, they had they had a lot of confidence in me. So they were like, uh, "Go do your job." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I really didn't get a whole lot of I really didn't get a lot of input. I really didn't get a lot of a uh, lot of direction. And I really didn't I really didn't need it because I simply knew what it took to lay the foundation for what it was we were trying to do. The help came, honestly, the help came from coaches everywhere. Mm. Uh, because after you, after these junior college coaches start calling you, these high school coaches, you start making connections with them. That first year, I went to, it. I bet you, probably 25% uh, 25, 30% of the high school coaches in the state of North Carolina knew my face. Mm, I bet. Because I was going to be there. I had, I had to shake hands. I had to get to know people that I didn't already know. I already knew a lot of the area high school golf coaches just from the golf courses where I worked and played. You had to spread yourself out a little more. But we have a, a lot of support for the program on campus. I bet, yeah. But uh, in terms of starting the program, they pretty much let me. They left me alone. That was that. Obviously, that was a good move because of how much success you guys have had and the recruits that you guys are getting. And it's pretty incredible, Coach. I mean, start starting a program from scratch has got to be just like one of the hardest things to do. And now dealing with college kids because I have a college kid myself and she's still a teenager, right? And so it's just we understand what it's like to deal with teenagers. So on that note. Name, image, and likeness. I don't know how much it's going to hit you, but I have a question about how it could possibly relate to JR. I don't know if that's even a possibility, if that's something that he's even looking for, or if people are reaching out to him or not. That is one of the things that, like I said, I was talking to my compliance officer before we started uh, the program. And that's one of the things that we were talking about. Uh, Exactly how, because this, as we've already alluded to, this is a totally unique set of circumstances. For sure. I'm not 100% sure if anything like this has ever happened. All right. And the reason I'm saying that is because, okay, fine, you have to be in a unique set of uh, circumstances to be able to come back from a professional sport Mm -hmm. in one area and then have eligibility left to do that. So that's part of the uniqueness. And then if you find somebody that fits that, now does that someone have two championships in the sport that they participated in? Right. Did that someone make multiple fifteen plus million dollar a year <laughs> contracts? Right. I would say I would come close to saying no, that J.R. Smith is totally unique. Yeah. Oh yeah. So there are also things that will come with him, that will come with him inherently. Everywhere he goes, he must take him with him. He can't divorce himself 
from his past accomplishments, from his past, but he still has an agent. He still those kinds of things. Those things. Yeah, well, I was wondering about that too. Yeah, I would th- imagine that to be eligible in the NCAA, you'd have to give up your agent. You have to give up any kind of product sponsorships that you have. But not, yeah, but the, I mean, they may be right because if he's sponsored by nike shoes nike has a golf program right it, it did you have to ferret that out and 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 make sure that there were no potential conflicts of interest there we we had to do that also yeah one of the things we're a nike school so some of that works however as uh, and my compliance officer's name is Corey lima and i got to give you a little history and background on Corey. Corey, everybody at the school everybody in athletics they always accuse Corey of being my boy anyway <laughs> And, it's, and now it's, we know for sure. Well, right? You need some help. So. <laughs> See, he and I can't debate that because when I was coaching baseball at ANT, I recruited Corey okay. and I signed him and he played baseball for me back a while back. So Corey and I, Corey and I have a long history. We talk every day about this situation with Jr. and we are fully aware that this is virgin territory. This is mm. virgin territory for I would say for the NCAA and for the NCAA member institutions, this hadn't happened before, at least not to our knowledge. And we are also aware of the fact that there are going to be things that we have to address that we haven't even thought of yet. Right. Yeah. And for example, if, if JR wants to, let's say he wants to give the team something. Yeah. Wow. Where does like that take fall? him out to dinner or something? Right. right. Is that an impermissible benefit? I would think so. Or is it not because he is a roughly contributing to his teammates? Interesting. We had uh, a couple of years back, one of the guy's parents bought everybody on the team, men and women's team, golf bags. That's permissible. That's a donation. I was talking to, uh, a friend of mine that's a coach at another Division One institution, and they had a parent give them a, uh, I think by the time it was finished, it was a $115,000 custom sprinter. Cool. That's a, a donation. That's okay. a donation. Where does that fit? No. So everything, So everything that happens, we have to investigate. We have to, matter of fact, we want to investigate stuff even before it happens. Oh, yeah, because you want to make sure. sure you don't get in trouble. Sure. So we've got a – we'll have a meeting. Corey and I will have a meeting with JR probably Thursday or Friday and just to take a look at some of the potentials, some right. possibilities. Mm-hmm. You know? Because my understanding, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but kids who are student-athletes who are NCAA eligible aren't supposed to even be working and getting right. income from somewhere um, else. That, that rule has changed. It has that changed? Yeah. Yeah. With, it, with the NIL stuff. Yeah. yeah. They can, they can do these kinds of things right. okay. relative to it. Yeah. But we want to uh, be proactive. Uh, what, we want to sit down and take a look at uh, what the possibilities are, what we can do, what we can't do, because the way I've always approached life and it has served me pretty well, I've gotten in trouble from time to time. But I always believe it's better to ask for forgiveness than permission. But, dude, However, a lot the NCAA, of believers here. 
but the NCAA doesn't, uh, they don't buy into that philosophy. No. I look at somebody like JR and, and the things build on themselves. So with his past income and everything mm-hmm. else that comes of that, he's probably got investments that he's oh, making yeah. income off of. Oh, and yeah. he's got business interest that he's been invested in as well that's creating income for him. I, obviously, I don't want to spend the entire program talking about, about him and the situation, but it's an, it it introduces a bigger topic which is the the ncaa regulating what Mm -hmm. student athletes can earn as income so long as it doesn't have to do with the sport that they're playing create a conflict so the school so with the nil stuff the school cannot set up opportunities for the individuals well sure sure so that's to my understanding that's the only limitation as far as the school goes they just cannot set up an opportunity or a sponsorship for that player. So they a year or two ago, this wouldn't even have been possible. No, a year ago, this wasn't. Yeah. Six months ago, this wouldn't have been. Exactly. Wouldn't have been yeah. So yeah. this is a super duper new. new thing. And yeah. it's just, it would just be interesting to me to hear how he's going to handle that. If he's approached by Bojangles, for example, to be a sponsor for them, right? So something that, something like that. It's, it's so ironic. It's so funny that you said Bojangles. <laughs> Amen. He did an interview. We were, we did a press conference last week, and uh, we had breakfast one morning before we were going to the golf course, and he lost his mind over the Bowberry biscuit. Oh, my gosh. He had never had a Bowberry biscuit? He said he's got oh, okay. friends in the NBA, okay. been to Charlotte, man, hated Bojangles, but never had a Bowberry biscuit. Never had a Bowberry biscuit. He needs and to talk to Sam lost, Howell. Hey, he lost his mind. <laughs> that's the best, That's the greatest thing ever. Hey, he needs, he needs to get on the phone with the uh, – no, he needs to get on the phone with Sam Howell and talk to him about those. If he's that impressed with that, we're going to have to introduce him to chicken and waffles. <laughs> right. Hey, Coach, I hear that uh, that Steph Curry does has some eligibility left after he gets done with the NBA. Maybe you can reach out to him. Steph has no eligibility left. Steph doesn't have any eligibility well, left? He played oh, at none. Davidson. Oh, because he played. Yeah. Gosh, that sucks. You, you okay. can't have gone to school. Is it, is it, Coach, is it you can't have gone to school? school or, okay. you, or you can't have played as soon okay. as you go to school, as soon as you right. talk, start to matriculate, your clock starts. All right, okay. so we got to talk about we got to talk about KG then. So KG has eligibility left, right? So you need to reach out to Gar- Garnett. I'm not sure if he plays golf, but <laughs> he's really tall. I don't know how that would work yeah, out. No, I was, I, I, you know, was... the funny thing is with golf, you never know. When these guys get, I've seen it a thousand times. Jr. was introduced to golf by Moses Malone of all people. Uh, somebody else that skipped college. On a golf course, Moses has passed away. Yeah, but um, they were on a golf course no playing in a fundraiser, and some NBA player—I forget which NBA player—Jay told me, but he was—he didn't play. He was just out there, just messing around, mm-hmm. riding a cart, watching the other guys play. Uh, he and Malone were talking trash to each other. And you think it's so easy? Get up here and hit one. Mm-hmm. And he said he jumped up, and hit it, crushed it down the fairway. And just started luck, right? <laughs> out around, they finally come, and Malone says, "Do it again." And nope. Jay said he jumped up there, teed it up, and completely missed it. Looked like right. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And he I said he was hooked from yeah. then on. That's what happens. So, could you imagine the the torque that KG would have at six ten, and how far he might be able to hit a golf ball? Like yeah. that would just be insanity to me. So, what having somebody like Jr. on the team? How do you think that impacts the mentality of the rest of the team? Do you think that... To bring confidence, it, well, right? No, well, 
does it bring confidence in knowing you have somebody like that? Does it bring a sense of... I don't know, almost like you're taking the spotlight off of us so it makes things easier because everybody's going to focus on you and not us. Or does it do the opposite? Everybody's going to focus on us because you're here and that's going to make things uh, a higher anxiety. Because I know golf is very fickle when it comes to like the mental part of the game, right? Yeah. So far. And I, I think this is, it's moving in a very, very positive direction. Uh, because what's happening is the internal competition has ramped up a little bit. But even before even before Jr. got there, all the guys already knew that they were going to be competing for spots. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got seven guys on the team; only five of them get to go play. Sure. Mm-hmm. So we have internal uh, qualifying before anything ever happens. So. Just because you're on the team, that does not mean you're going to be able to play uh, in the tournaments. If is, you, you know, if you don't qualify, you don't play. Is that a weekly qualification, or is that like it depends? It depends on the schedule. Okay. Um, we try to have uh, weekly qualifying for the upcoming event, but sometimes our events are running close together, and if they're running close together, usually what we try to do is the top two players in the tournament don't have to qualify for the next tournament. Okay. But three, four, and five go right back in the pool, and they have to qualify for the next event. Do you make them qualify at that course that you're playing at, or is it just no. – Okay, all right. Yeah, because, you know, we're, we're all over the place. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. So they wouldn't be able to – you know, it, the traveling would prohibit mm-hmm. trying to qualify at, at the site where you're having your event. So we qualify at home, and, and it's a very – right now it's a very, very healthy – competitive environment like one of my guys told me i'd be nervous if we were on the hardwood again that's because he's on your team not the opposing team right that's what i would assume i hope so right (laughs) but we know a lot of the players that will be playing we've seen them before Mm -hmm. and after they get their autograph or get their selfie taken they understand that jr is not boxing them out he's not playing any defense just like you out at at eagle ridge today when you step between those markers on hole number one you're looking at that green setting up on the hill with that fairway sloping heart uh hey i striped that number one i striped that number one coach i don't know if you've ever played golf with clint but playing golf with clint is watching that dave Chappelle and one sketch for the golf (laughs) thing He's trying to do tricks and stuff like that. Hey, yeah, that's how he You got to do whatever you can on the course, Coach. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean, Coach. You know what I mean. You got to do whatever you, know you can. That, hey, I always say, they all, they only ask you how many. They never ask right. why. Hey, <laughs> I part number one. That's all that really matters uh, off the first that, shot. When you put that little number in that little square, there's no room for explanation. That's right. Hey, so I assume you're going to make him play with it. What are you talking about? They're going to make him. They're going to make him. Uh, they're going to make him swing for the tee box like he's trying to hit free throws. They're going to have the thunder sticks and people that dude loves to have his damn shirt off. You have no idea. Y'all just buying into the hype. You have no idea. <laughs> you allowed him to practice with his shirt off. Just, yet. just don't let him. Just don't let him inbound the ball during game one. <laughs> Between my wife, my kids, the kids at school, I don't look at Instagram. I don't mm. look at Twitter. Mm. You know, they, they tell me, and I'm like, I don't want to hear it. Y'all keep that for yourself. My only concern is on, on the, the course. course. That's, 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 the only way, that's the only way I can do it. I get it. I know that, and don't get me wrong, I know that there's, you know, we're right in the middle mm. of a three-ring circus right yeah. now. I was doing an ESPN interview, 
And the lady interviewing me, she asked. Who was interviewing you? Michelle Steele. Oh, yeah. And she said, what does this do for your your notoriety? What does this do for the attention that's being given to the program? And I was like, how many golf coaches have you ever interviewed? <laughs> Collegiate golf courses. Right. I am the one. Right? We, we understand. We understand those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And but. I also understand that if it's not done correctly mm-hmm. and if it's not done successfully, it goes from being a major story to a sitcom. That's right. You got to walk on eggshells, coach. And Honestly. and we we don't want that. We don't want – I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to look bad. You can forget that one. I'm not going to put the university in that situation, and I'm not going to put JR in that situation. I'm not going to yeah. allow him to put himself in that situation. I When the student athletes, when they come in and they look at my team handbook, one of the things in there that's big to me is respect. Mm-hmm. Number one – you respect yourself, you respect your teammates, you respect the institution, you respect the game. And I'm last on the you because if you take care of those first four. Yeah, you're going to have the coach. Yeah. I'm an automatic. I'm a given. If you respect yourself yeah. and you respect your teammates, and that's what I want, and that's what we're going to, that's what we're going to have to do. I think those kinds of things, uh, all of those questions, all the things that all the positive hype, the negative I think what JR is going to do is going to take care of those, uh, will answer any of those questions. No PR is bad PR, right? But in this case, he's been nothing but positive from oh, what no I've seen question. on social media and the, the news and all that kind of stuff. And you only hear positive things. Only, uh, only. And the I have, thing about it is, and I, I tell people this all the time, yeah, he's an NBA player. Yes, he was a great player, had a great career, all this kind of stuff. But JR is just a guy. Yeah, he's just a dude. Yeah, he's just a good dude. You know, yeah. he's a, he's the kind of guy that you play golf with him one time, you're gonna have a good time and you're gonna want to play again. You hang out with him for a little while, great guy. Yeah, the first time my wife uh, met him and met his fiance, played golf together at uh, Chat Moss Country Club in Martinville, mm. Virginia. Mm. He gets out of the cart and comes over and, and just hugs her like. Uh, like he's been knowing her for, for years. Shirt on or shirt off, coach? This is an important question. Because <laughs> I've seen your wife's, <laughs> that can skew your wife's view a little bit. Just that kind of guy. Right. It's just when he and I are on the range, when we're working on something, it's always, and a lot of this is just comes from his background, his years and years of coaching, extremely coachable. He's just a sponge for information. Right. And it's always, coach, this is what I'm trying to do. How can I? Well, those kind of things. Um, well, I have one more one more question about Jr. before I completely about, want to switch. Uh, no. Okay. Good. It's not Go about ahead. I'm very excited to talk about. What's the, shirt? the best part of his game? What's the best part of his game? Mm-hmm. I don't know right now. We haven't spent a whole lot of time. We spent most of our time playing so far because I really want to establish where he was. But the one thing that he can do that every Division One golfer, male or female. You got to be able to cover some distance. Mm. Look, you got to be able to generate club head speed. You got to be able to produce some distance, and he can do that. I bet so. He yeah. can do that. I bet you he can crush the drive. By, by the way, uh, he's probably the second or maybe third longest player on my team. Wow. And I got one kid on my team, Xavier Williams, down around the coast, down around the Wilmington area. Yeah. And Xavier's six, six three. 
a really talented mm-hmm. athlete. He mm-hmm. played varsity basketball as a freshman and 175-9 iron with E. Just easy distance. Goals. Coach, can you talk about – we've heard about Xavier. We've heard about JR. Can you talk about some of the other members on your team and, and what their strengths are? We've got a good, solid team. Yeah. Um, I've got a, uh, a young man, Diego Gonzalez. Don't think there's an echo because uh, Diego is a really good player from uh, Venezuela. He represents his country on the international team. Really good player. Long, solid player. He's our number one player. He's number two. And then we've got another Diego Gonzalez. Nice. Diego, uh, good player, but Diego was going to be relegated to uh, that fourth or fifth spot simply because he's a solid ball striker, but he Mm. just does not generate the distance Mm. to make the game easier. You know, just like they say in football, speed, it's the same way in golf. But like Bryson. Distance, yeah. distance makes, up for, makes up for a lot of errors. When uh, One of the things that was a struggle for myself getting older. I bet you hit it straight, Coach. That's that old man golf. Straight. straight. Old man stuff, man. <laughs> I play it too. I, I get it. My goal for this summer, and I'm running out of time, was to shoot my age. I didn't make it. I'm summer ain't six, over, Coach. Six, and I, I put together – Four, five, sixty-nines. This, but I didn't, didn't quite. And the reason, the, the real reason is, I want uh, my ego won't let me move down to the senior teams. I get it. <laughs> you know. Now, trust me. Uh, in a tournament, when the rules no. say when my money's on the line, that's where I'm going. <laughs> hey, coach, we'll we'll play at the crossings and get you from the tips, man. At sixty-four hundred yards, and you you can shoot a sixty-seven. I love the crossings. A good friend. Let's, of- let's do it. I, I love the crossing. So whenever you want to go down there, let me know. I'll go I'm down, I'll coach. I'm down, coach. That's 15 minutes from my house. All right, so we've had you got, we've had you for a while, and I know we've had some technical difficulties. I got to ask you just real quick, what was it like coaching baseball in Texas? Because you coached in Tyler, which, I mean, everybody knows is like one of the meccas for high school football, right? And Texas is all about football. So how was it coaching and winning too. six championships? Oh, it was a lot of fun. We went, that was my first, that was my first collegiate job Mm -hmm. Uh, that was my first head coaching job it was at a let's just say the school did not have a lot of money right and i took over a program that they had only won and you're a baseball fan so you can relate to this they had only won 10 games in the last three years combined woof yeah if you've you've won three games and you won 10 games in the last three years combined baseball that's that's not. You got to get kids stop thinking about football or put football on the back burner for a spring and a summer to play with. One of the one of the biggest problems with that was uh, a lot of football coaches wouldn't let their players who were really good baseball players wouldn't let their players yep. play baseball until they were through their senior year. Oh, they were getting paid by the boosters, coach. They can't they, allow, they, allow their kids they, to play well, like that. That's a, that's a completely different story because we know that happened. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. We know that. We've and, all seen Remember the Titans, coach. We know yeah, that. Hey, look, I tell, you, I, tell you one thing, I tell you one thing that, that I did enjoy, and when I tell people this now, um, of course, it tells them how old I am, but I taught Patrick Mahomes' father. No joke. He was a hell of an MLB pitcher. Oh, he was a great pitcher with the yeah. Twins. He was drafted right out of high school. And he came back from spring training that first year and met him on the golf course. And he's like, Coach, you got to teach, because I had recruited him. Yeah. And he was like, Coach, you got to teach me how to play golf. I got to get That's better awesome. at this. I still have his baseball card. Yeah. Because <laughs> he was drafted by the Twins. He could bring it. 
He could play. You got a you got a high school kid uh, at, at some small high school in Texas, and as a high school junior and senior, he's already throwing it 94, 95, 96. Apple so, doesn't fall from the fall from the tree, coach. You know, you had to. We were at a small school, and one of the things that I had to do, I had to draw some attention. So the the first thing I did was uh, I started recruiting speed. Because you could recruit speed because there's a lot of speed in Texas. We had a good little pipeline into yeah. uh, into Florida, particularly Pahokee, Florida. And uh, you look at Pahokee sure. and its history with, with the U, University of Miami. They had a lot of kids uh, out of out of Pahokee and Deerfield. Yeah, they have an okay baseball program, yeah. One of the things that I did, I had talked with the baseball coach down there at the time. And he said when he took over at Miami, one of the things he did was he recruited a ton of shortstops. And put them at different places. That's and, continued. Uh, with the exception of pitcher, first base, and catcher, there's a bunch of shortstops. Yeah, no doubt. What I did, I bought into the same philosophy, so I recruited speed. And the first year that I was down there, we won 10 games, but we led the nation in stolen bases. Mm. So now, the only thing I could, re- the only thing that wanted to come play for me was short, fast kids. That's okay. You better put you better put some numbers on the board. Oh yeah, you got to hit three fifty in college. The guy on yeah. second base, you got to get him in. College baseball is—I don't know how familiar you are with with Earl Weaver when Earl Weaver coached oh, yeah. the Orioles. But oh, yeah, was a- Earl would have been a great coach today. Yeah, if, he was Cal Ripken's coach. He changed I mean, the swing plane, and we're trying to hit it out of the park. Earl yeah, yeah. in the three-run homer. Small ball. Yeah, that small ball, and that's what I had because that's all I could. He hit those doubles, stolen bases. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's what we did. Yeah, uh, but it took me. And a keep while. it moving, coach. But it took me a while to start getting those guys in that could hit it out of the park. You had to have them. But we we were able to we were able to turn a, a not so good program into a uh, into a program that was always represented uh, at the district level. We won. I think we won seven straight conference titles. Yeah, that's what and, I've written down. Uh, we were able to get the kind of pitching that you need the small college level where we were. I just always figured my number four. I could go. We dealt with a, a three or four man rotation. My number one guy was as good as your number one guy, but my number three and four guy was as good as your number two, and and two was as deep as you could go. So we were able to do some things that some of the other colleges in our conference had not been able to do prior to that, and then we were able to sustain it. I assume you had a, a decent crop of high school kids to to recruit from based on the football culture down there. Oh, there's a huge baseball culture down there, well, too. Well, yes, but Tyler, yeah, Texas, that's like varsity blues, man. Right. But the funny part about it is none of my players ever came locally. Really? You know, yeah. uh, Texas Southern and Prairie View, they were 200 miles away. They would get all the kids from East Texas. And I would get all the kids from the Houston area because they didn't mm. want to stay in Houston. Yates High School and get Yates High School's best player and the only thing that separated Yates High School from Texas Southern was a chain link fence. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they weren't going to get any because you don't want to go to school. You don't, you don't want to go to college next door to where you went to high school. Mm-mm. No, that's too much trouble. Yeah, so, way too much. It was a fair it was a fair trade off because mm-hmm. uh, kids wanted to, even though I knew these kids, I knew their parents, they wanted to get away from home. They didn't want to play yeah. baseball yeah. at John Tyler High School or Robert mm-hmm. E. Lee High School or T.K. Gorman High School. And then go play at uh, Tyler Junior College, uh, yeah. Texas College. Yeah. Right there, it, they didn't have to leave home. They could ride their well, bikes 
to campus. They didn't want to do that. We could talk baseball all day, Coach. You and me should have this conversation offline for sure. And because <laughs> we've already kept you, we've already kept you for an hour and a half. Now, what I would like to do before before we uh, before we finish this off is a couple of things. Number one. Um, we need to get you back on after the season so we can see how it went. And I know that you had talked about your assistant coach being on, um, and we'll get out and we can play the crossings. That's fine with me. <laughs> we can go down there and play and then have you guys in studio and talk about how the season went and how everything turned up that we've been talking about. I would definitely, I would definitely love that opportunity for, for you to come down to Raleigh and join us. And before we do anything else about signing off, is there any questions that you have? Well, I, I don't have any questions for now other than Coach how can people reach out to you that was gonna and be find out one. more yeah. about the A&T program, A&T itself, and about the golf program? Got to get you a Twitter a Twitter handle, Coach. Yeah. Right now, the easiest way is uh, just to go on the uh, A&T Athletic webpage mm-hmm. and under Follow golf, the uh, there's uh, all, of them, all of our information, women's golf site and the men's golf site, mm-hmm. and there is a, a questionnaire link on all of, on both of those sites for any prospective or potential players. And then my email address is also there. And that's the easiest, that's one of the easiest ways to contact me is uh, is via my email. Cause I've, I've got an Instagram account that I don't look at. I got a Facebook account. <laughs> What's your email address coach? Let, drop it for all the listeners here. It's Watkins R, W-A-T-K-I-N-S-R at N-C-A-T dot E-D-U. Yep. All right. And anybody that wants to follow the A&T golf program, please just, or any A&T program, really follow J.R. Smith. That's probably the easiest way to do it right about now, besides going on to the Aggie website. One other thing there, how can people go and watch, watch, go to a tournament, support the program? How how can we do that? Same. Look at the the schedule. What you got coming up? What's the first thing you got in the Greensboro area that we could all come to? Eli, oh, that's right near my backyard. What what date we got, Coach? Oh, uh, I don't even have my schedule with me, but uh, we'll find it and post it on the show notes. It's on the website, but I assume it's in September, maybe early October. Okay, nice. so I will definitely be there. I matter will text fact, you and let you know. As a matter of fact, we've got the men and women both play at the Elon Invitational on separate occasions. The men and women both play in UNCG's Invitational separate dates at Grandover. And then uh, the women, we host our own event at Bryan Park that first week in October. Okay. So uh, we've got men and women. We have five opportunities uh, for our fans to get out and see us uh, locally. Oh, yeah. So you can expect to see at least Dre and I. For sure. I'll be there. And, and we'll all three come out and, and be strong. I'm trying to look at your your thing here, your uh, golf tournament. Women. So the women. So it's men and women's, right? Yeah. Well, just, just look up the, the men because they're, they're separate dates. Uh, the first the men kick it off with their first tournament is in Atlanta. OK, we'll return home. OK, so the Elon Invitational Men's Golf Tournament. Let's see. It is October 11th, which is Monday, 11th and 12th. So <laughs> Monday, Tuesday. Monday and Tuesday. Yeah, it's a, it's the Monday before I get married. So yeah, married that weekend. <laughs> so Dominic will be uh, tying the knot on that Saturday, which we will be down in in Wilmington in the Wilmington area for. Well, but you can it. absolutely expect to see me on the 11th. I can tell you that right now, because I will be there to do that. And it's it's at Elon. What course is that in Elon? 
Oh my nice. God, that's a Donald Ross course. Yes. There's only one patch of water, and that's near a par three, and it's about 60 yards offset to that. Everything else, man, I remember probably the hottest day I've ever experienced in my life was playing that course. I loved it, though. And he did the moonwalk right oh, off the green. Right. Well, is there anything else you would like to say, Coach, before we sign off, man? And I look, I just I appreciate you guys. We, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, of all the interviews that I've done, there have been two that I have enjoyed immensely that didn't seem like interviews. They just sound seemed like bunch of guys sitting around talking that's right that was this one and the pga tour show <laughs> on uh, xm radio uh, well seems, they can always know, say that yeah, coach we'll, we'll take it fine we'll that. take it it was it was great it was easy it was yeah. fun that's i don't it. know i'm still looking for a script but there's no you script unscripted you did a great job at it yeah well, we are the there's, straw. yeah there, there's no script with this coach we yeah. did, we just want to get on we want to have real conversations we're not like a, any podcast out there that you look at or you listen to that have scripted questions and scripted answers like we just want to have a conversation we want to see what you're about this is what dominic and i do in our real life because we're networkers we're in business and all this stuff and we just like to have conversations with people and that's essentially why we started this podcast and you came highly recommended from miss d and she is one of my one of my favorite people in this world and i will take anything she has at its word and uh, she was not wrong with you so coach we appreciate you yes, thank you we very appreciate much for being all the here. things you're doing for not only college golf but golf in general as a sport and me personally I appreciate everything you did with baseball. I cannot, cannot wait to have a more, more in-depth conversation about baseball, Coach, because these two really aren't huge baseball fans, but but I am for sure. So <laughs> well, I'll, tell what, I'll tell you what we'll do. We'll get together at the crossings, and we'll play golf and talk baseball for 18 holes. Let's do it. Hey, by the way, the first the, when, when I met D, the reason I met D is through her son, Stu who yeah. I don't know if you Stu, I'm sure. So we were sitting there at the D- the DW and getting ready to tee it up and the DW invitation on if you Jackie Wittenberg and all them. So mm-hmm. we were having we were sitting there waiting for our we were playing with Chuck Caton and you play with one celebrity, right? So Chuck Caton, voice of the Hurricanes, voice of the Hartford Whalers for years and years. And then all out of nowhere, we we were only three, me, Stu and Chuck. And then out of nowhere, this guy pulls up to the tee and we're waiting on number 10 for him to start our tournament. And he was like, guys, don't worry about me. You, I won't be hitting the ball straight. I turn around and I see, because I'm a baseball fan, that is Tony Womack, right? Yeah. So I say, Tony, that's bullshit. I know you can hit the ball 300 yards because you're a professional athlete. He was like, how do you know that? I said, I watch baseball my entire life. You hit 280 in your career, and you destroyed the Cubs, who is my favorite team. So I remember you very vividly. <laughs> so I had the opportunity to talk baseball with Mr. Tony Womack for four hours. So that was pretty awesome. That's, that's a blast. Yeah, it was a blast. And I cannot wait to get on the course with you and talk baseball, Coach. And unfortunately, none of them won the car. No, <laughs> we didn't win the car. Dominic was the was At the, the DW was invitation. Was the person. Yeah, there. I was the spotter. <laughs> Good times, though. Yeah, Good co- times. Coach, again, for me, for Dre, for Dom, I very much appreciate you and your time. And tell your wife, thank you so much for all the hard work that she put into this episode. And, uh, Coach, I can't wait to talk to you next time, man. For the Schmoes, me, Dom, and Dre. My name is Clint again, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. So, Dom, what's next? Cut to the theme music. Gotcha.